Hello, everybody. Good morning to you. I pray you are well, and I am so glad that we get to be a part of worshiping together this morning. We are plugging through the book of 1 John, just started last week, um, and so glad that God has chosen that you and I and everyone in this room get to experience uh, His Word together. So it's not an accident that we're here, and He's got a great uh, intent for our hearts as we um, read His Word together. So we are in 1 John chapter 1, and we'll read verses 5 through 10. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. And if you don't have a Bible, there should be one near you on a row. And so we just encourage you to snag that. And if you don't own a Bible, we have some Bibles we would love to give you in the coffee room right out here when you exit. Uh, we would love for you to take those with you. So let's uh, read the Word of God together. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. The Word of God says this. This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we haven't sinned, we make Him a liar and His Word is not in us. Let's pray. Father, I ask that this morning, in this very moment, that more than what we are to do for You, we would see what You have done for us. More than we reflect on what we need to be, I pray that we see clear on who You are. And so, God, we ask that in a passage that is, is driving us to personal holiness, I ask, O oh God, that You would help us to not allow our actions to eclipse who You already are for us in Christ. You are holy. You are light. And I just ask, O oh God, that You would give us eyes to see how beautiful that is, how powerful that is, and that, God, as we seek to change and be more like You, we would focus more on the light than we would the darkness of our sin, and that we would see Your glory dispel our dark hearts and change us into loving, radically loving people. So God, please, shine into our hearts, we pray this morning, for the glory of Your name and the joy of Your people. In Christ's name, Amen. Amen. Let's talk about light. Light is a wonderful thing. If I'm to ask you what is light or give me some characteristics of light, you would say pure or bright. What about, have any of you ever, you've experienced this or you have with kids, your kids will come down and they will say, I'm terrified, I'm scared. You know, and what they have in their brain is there's something living under their bed or there's some monster in the closet, right? And what you do, the great hero that you are, is you go upstairs and either with a flashlight or with the flick of a switch, you turn it on and you realize that what was this treacherous monster was just a fan blowing something and creating a shadow. It wasn't terrifying at all. And light began to break into that, dispel the darkness, eradicate fear. And then we come to the passage of Scripture, and God begins to tell us He is light. He is brighter than darkness. He dispels darkness. He conquers fear. He is light. And what God wants us to see here, as the author John is telling this group of believers around uh, western Turkey, around Ephesus, He begins to tell them, that as you know your great God and that He is light, you begin to walk in His ways. And that affects and deepens your fellowship 
And it gives you ultimately, as he says in verse 4, a fuller joy. So being after your joy, we have to be after God. And that's why he begins here in this first uh, in this passage, in verses 5 through 10, with these, what I'm going to highlight is three main ideas. Number one, God is light. God is light, and He wants us to know Him as such. And as we know Him, then it affects our lives and how we live. So number two is walking in the light. They're directly connected because He says in verse 7, walk in the light as He as, is in the light, as God is in the light. So who He is affects how we walk. And then number three, which we see in verses 8, 9, and 10, is we are forgiven to live in the light. So there's a barrier to living in the light, but God has overcome that barrier in His Son, Jesus. So let's just begin here. God is light. Number one, we see it in verse 5. This is the message we have heard from Him. And proclaim to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. But when God begins the beginning, He creates light and He dispels darkness. And as we studied last week, John was passionate that we know who Jesus is. We said that Jesus is God. Jesus is the God-man. And as you know that, believe that, you actually deepen in fellowship with Him. And as you get in fellowship with God, your joy deepens. And so, do you know how this wonderful Jesus who calls us into a relationship with Him, how He describes Himself? He says in John, I am the light of the world. This is intentional because He needs and desires and wants to be seen as one who is light. God describes Himself here as light through the author John. And what does it mean that God is light? It means two things. He's light in who He is and He's light in what He does. He's light in who He is, in His being and nature, and He is light in what He does. He shines that nature out. So let's begin just briefly with God is light, namely in His personhood, in His nature. Because John wants us to know this God as light. And so immediately when you think of the image of light, you think of purity. You think of something that is bright and radiant. And this is exactly this is exactly where God wants us to go. But I just began to think and meditate. How does the Scripture describe our God in such a way that would accord with God is light? Because the text also says that in Him there is what? No darkness at all. That actually is an understatement of what the text actually says. There's two negatives in there. God is light, and in Him, no way, no how, is He darkness. He is not darkness at all. No ounce of darkness. And so, in all of my fragility, I begin to reflect on how fragile I am, how the sinful world has made me one who is not perfect, and I begin to then put it in contrast with Scripture supporting it of how God is light. So let's just think through it a little bit. God is never at a loss. Have you ever been at a loss? (laughs) A loss at how to instruct your kids. A loss at how to discipline. A loss at how to overcome pain. To shake off a mistake. To move forward. Have you ever been at a loss? What decision to make? God is never at a loss. He is never at a lack at all. Amen. He is never at a lack at all. You can go to Him. He has nothing that is lacking. He is never in need of knowledge or wisdom. It says in Colossians 2.4 that in Jesus are found all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Every ounce of wisdom. You want wisdom, you press into Him. Because that's where all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found. I'm reading... With my boys right now, before they go to bed, I'm reading the Proverbs with them. And it's always fun to start the Proverbs, especially middle of chapter 1, when it just says, okay, tonight, boys, we're going to read. And and they really think that you made this up, right? Because the first lines are, son, listen to your father's instruction. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, that's right. And like, let me see that. I don't believe you. You know, it's like, no, that's right. 
But it goes on to say, cry out for wisdom. Yearn for insight like you do for silver. And if you do that, the Lord will give you success. He will overcome your calamity. He will draw near to you and build you up. He will give you strength over and over. You want wisdom, you go to Him because He is never in, in need of more wisdom. He is fully pure and holy in all of His knowledge. God is never unsure. He's never unsure. He's fully confident. He's never distracted from doing you good. Psalm 23 says at the end, only goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. That is a commitment. He does not waver from pouring that out on His people. Only goodness and mercy is He doing to you. Have you been distracted this week? Have you been distracted? Yes, you have. Have you been solely focused in love? No, you haven't. God is fully committed. It says it is His good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He is doing you goodness and mercy even through the hard things that you might be going through. He promises for His children. He is never distracted from doing you good. Never. And He's never half-hearted in love. You know what that means. Have you been there? Your, heart, your body and your mind says, yes, you should love this person. And your heart says, no way, no how, I don't want to. And you're just hoping your heart catches up with your body, right? Just hoping it happens. That's never a reality for God. He is fully in and He's always fully loving. So much so, He sent His Son to die for sinners who were rebelling against Him. He is love. And He is light. Our God is never tired or fatigued. It says in Isaiah 40 that youths grow tired and weary and young men faint. But our God is never tired or weary. He does not faint. He is the Lord. He is the everlasting God. He is the creator of the ends of the earth. He doesn't get tired. Tired of you or too tired where He can't act on His promises. He does not get tired or fatigued. And He's never too busy. Never too busy. I can't tell you how many times I talk with people in, my com- in this community, in my neighborhood, or just out like at a coffee shop, and when you begin to com- make a- have a conversation with them about God, many times what you will hear them say is, well, I just don't pray that because He's too busy. Aren't you glad that's not the case? He's never too busy for your small problems. He actually says, come to me. Draw near to me. I'm not too busy for you. He's not limited like you and I are. He's fully capable of handling every person's problems on the planet. He knows the heart. He's formed each and every one. He's never too busy. He's never worried or frustrated. He's never confused. There's no confusion in Him. There's no cloudy mind, which I had this week as I was preparing for this sermon. You ever just sit there and just like, okay, nothing's happening here. Okay. Have you ever been that way at work before? Yes. Okay. That's not Him. God is light. And in Him there is no darkness at all. The word that's used regularly in the Scriptures other than light is God is holy. There is no stain of sin in Him at all. And all the things I'm describing are how sin has taken its roots in our world, in our hearts, and it has affected everything that we do. But in Him, there's no darkness at all. He's pure. He's holy. Unstained by sin. This is our great God. He never loses control. He never loses His temper. He is just in all of His dealings. He doesn't have these fits. He is fully light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. This is who He is. But He's not only light in who He is, but He's light in what He does. He's light in what He does. What He does then is reflect or shine out or act based upon who He is. So He's fully righteous. He's never unjust. He's merciful. He dispels fear. This is our God. So I just wanted to highlight just a couple of ways that the Scriptures connect Him as light with 
actions, other words that we might talk about with God. So, when you say God is merciful, Luke chapter 1, verses 78 through 79, connect that to Him being light. And listen to this. This is beautiful. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sun rise shall visit us from on high. Have you Don't we love sunrises? Why? Because there was darkness and then the sun begins to come up in all of its beauty. Light does beautiful things. And we love that. And he's saying that when he pours out mercy, which is someone in need finding his help meeting them, that is his light shining. His light shining. And that's what the text goes on to say. Verse 79. Sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. This is how we are characterized. We are in darkness. Every one of us. We we live in sin. And we need Him to invade our lives and to change our hearts. But when we are grabbing out there in the world, grabbing out for some type of fleeting pleasure, some type of something to give us significance when it's meant to be found in God, the whole world does it. And this text describes that as resting in the shadow of death. It's like leaning underneath a tree of death and its shadow is casting on you. Do we really view our neighbors that way? Or do we just get jealous that because they might be living in an unjust lifestyle or they might be having certain benefits that you don't have or what, that you get jealous of them? No, anyone who is not following Jesus is leaning up against death and its shadow is casting over them. What do they need? They need the hope of Christ to shine into the darkness. And this is exactly what he says. God delights to give mercy. That is, to be light for those in the darkness. So that when they trust in Him, He then guides them into peace. Out of fear, out of anxiety, which is the next thing I want to highlight. That His pure strength dispels fear. That's what He does. He as Savior, He as stronghold, dispels fear. That's what else He does. Because remember the image. God is light, and what does light do? It dispels darkness. He's not only light in His nature, but in what He does. Psalm 27.1 tells us this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? We are plagued by fear. Plagued by fear. Afraid that things won't ever change in your life. Afraid of finances. Afraid of job loss. Afraid of what might happen to your kids in the future. Afraid of the rocky times that your marriage might go through. Afraid of health situations. Fear, 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 fear. And when we focus on the fear, we're actually focusing on darkness. Here's a hint. Darkness doesn't dispel darkness. But this passage calls us to set our gaze somewhere else. The Lord is my light and my salvation, my rescuer, my deliverer. Therefore, why should I be afraid? Why should I be afraid of their opinion? Why should I be afraid that I might be inconvenienced? Because God has given me everything in Him. I'm now His child and He's given me a forever promise with Him. It totally changes how you live. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When your focus is on the light of who God is, it dispels the fear. Because God is love. And perfect love casts out fear. Have you ever had those times that just feel bleak? Relationships feel dark. And you just feel like there is no hope. Have you ever thought about that one that you really want to to know God and to find hope in God and there's just no seeming change and so you're in despair? Friends, this week I got an email. 
I got an email because in our community group, we do community groups that meet in homes. We got like 13 or so that meet around the city. And in those groups, we gather and we study the Bible. We spend time together. We eat together and we pray together and we pray for people's needs. And one person in my group shared that he has had a coworker that has just really been indifferent to the things of God, has kind of been hard to work with, but right now has been going through a really hard situation. A really hard situation. And so we just prayed. Because the situation was about the illness of his father and his father was uh, on death's door. And so you know when death begins to kind of shadow over your life, you begin to think about what's the purpose of life and why life matters and all these things. And this dear friend, after we had prayed in community group, he comes to me and he says that first thing, that this was earlier this week, first thing, this man comes into my office and sits down and he says this, I realize that there's a huge hole in my life and I need God. And they were able to talk for 30 minutes about the gospel. And they had conversation about Christ in the workplace on the wings of prayer because God is light and He desires to shine His darkness into some of the most bleak circumstances because when that happens, who gets glory? Who gets glory? The community group? This man? No, God gets glory. Because God is at work in this guy's heart. It is amazing. And if I were to give you just five minutes, anybody who's been changed by Jesus, I guarantee you, you would be able to stand up and give testimony about how there was a circumstance in your life which looked so dark, you didn't think there was any hope at all. And then all of a sudden, God broke in. And He met that need. And He changed your heart. He gave you contentment when you were discontent. He brought healing when there wasn't healing. He just came into your life. It's all over the place. Story after story after story after story. And friends, you and I both know that it doesn't always happen. You pray and then all of a sudden things are better. Years. We've had people give testimony here on a Sunday morning of someone praying for 20 some odd years for people. Seeing no sense of change and result. But friends, continue to be the light. Because God is light, it is His de- desire and it is His nature to be light and to dispel darkness. I just want you to know, our God, in His pure strength, He dispels fear. That's what He does. And He overcomes the impossible. phrase that stuck out to me as I was thinking is, God is bigger than I give Him credit for. God is bigger than I give Him credit for when it comes to these circumstances. He's bigger. He's not big enough in any of our minds right now. None of us. Every single one of you. You might look at your neighbor. I think my God's bigger than their God. I know more about God than you know about God. You still fall short. Combine all of our thoughts of God. Measure it up and we still fall short. He will not be exhausted in His greatness. God is not big enough in any of our minds. Which means, press into Him. Press into Him. You will always be able to know more. And therefore, the darkness that plagues your heart, it can be dispelled. But friends... Because God is light, it affects how we live. Verse 7 says, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, then amazing promises come of fellowship with Him and the cleansing of Jesus. This is what matters, is that knowing God also affects our lives. How we live does not save us, but when we are saved, how we live changes. Because you know God is light, and you will walk in light. Now, John is doing something here as he addresses his uh, readers. And these readers are... You, you see it as you continue to read throughout the letter, that his readers are... Making excuses for their 
licentious, sinful living. And we see three of their claims in this passage that he's addressing that are basically saying, I can live how I want to live and still say that I'm in fellowship with God. Let's listen to the claims. Verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, intentionally pursue things that are not godly, that are not of God, then we lie and we don't practice the truth. The second claim, you see it in verse 8. If we say we don't have sin presently, right now, we deceive ourselves and the truth isn't in us. And then he goes on in verse 10, if we say we have not sinned in the past, we call God a liar. And His Word is not in us at all. When people live however they want to live, they're unjust in their business dealings, they're greedy, they um, walk around and participate in sexual promiscuity, and they lie, whatever it is, and then say, on a Sunday, or when you talk to them out on the street, yeah, I'm a Christian. That's not new. It's right here. It's always been there. You're not a Christian, i.e., in fellowship with God, if you are walking in sin. You cannot call yourself a follower of Jesus if you are actively pursuing darkness and not fighting against it, not hating it. The Scriptures can't be clear. And these people were saying, yeah, we can. And so John is addressing it. God is light, and because He's light, it affects how you live. It dispels the darkness. And so, what does it mean then to walk in the light? Verse 7. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light... We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. Well, the first thing that it would mean to walk in the light has to do with what it means for Him to be in the light, right? It means to walk in a way that reflects God's character and nature to the world. It's like you're a mirror. His light shines on you and you focus it out to others. You know, I could take, if I, I don't wear watches, but if I had a watch, I could take it and I could take that light and I could refract it onto you and blind you just for fun. And I would enjoy that, just to watch you be annoyed by this light running around. No, I wouldn't enjoy your blinding. I would just enjoy you looking around. But that can happen. Well, this is what God is. God shines His light, and then we reflect it. We reflect His perfection. And what also does it mean that God is light? Darkness is dispelled, which means we're not living in hidden sins. We're not trying to be hidden with lies and deceit, but we're, we're transparent. We want others to know our lives and what's going on. We confess our sin. So when he says, walk in the light as he is in the light, it means to reflect God's perfection to others and not walk around with hidden things, but to be transparent, dispel darkness out of the heart. It was this week as I was walking around um, that I had many opportunities to sin. You have them, I have them. Whether it's shopping and should I spend money that I don't have. Or whether it's I'm with my family and I'm tempted to be angry right now and burst out in anger. Or whether it's I'm with a group of people that I want to be approved by or accepted by and so I'm tempted to deceit, you know, just a little so that my story sounds a little better and that somehow I get more kudos. Have you ever been there? I can't tell you this week was so beautiful of God that His Holy Spirit just regularly, as I was brought into these circumstances, that this phrase came into my mind. Walk in the light. 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 Why would that have come when I was tempted to be angry? Because if I'm walking in the light, 
I fight for peace. Why would it come when I was tempted to deceit and to get, because I wanted people's affirmation? Because God is truth. And in Him I have all the security I need. Friends, the joy and the practicality of just that phrase that God would grip us with, walk in the light. Walk in the light. It affects what you look at, what you say. It affects how you live. If you just know that He is light for you and that He's fighting for you to walk in the light. So walking in the light reflects God's perfection, but also walking in the light humbly exposes darkness and does justice. So, God is light, which means there's no injustice in Him at all. He is always just. He is always right. And He is always seeking to invade the darkness. Now listen to how the Bible talks. Ephesians 5. This is more light stuff. You know, if you just look up light throughout the Bible, you just see it pop up all over the place. Well, here's another passage. Ephesians 5, 8 through 14. And it has to do with how we walk. Ephesians 5, 8 through 14 says this. For at one time you were darkness. That's a state of being. Every single person on the planet is a sinner. A sinner in need of a Savior. But now, you are light in the Lord. Which means, there is a possibility for light to break into the darkness. For us to be changed. For a new identity and a new nature to be ours. What we'll actually be able to see a little bit later, is that rather than saying with those, with those people that were out there that just say, Hey, I don't have any sin, or I haven't sinned in the past. Rather than acting as if you don't have sin... We have the freedom to go to our God and confess our sin. And when we do that, that humility, God comes in and changes us. He changes us. Rather than hiding our sin, He breaks in to push light into our sin. So, the passage goes on to say then, if you have been changed by the Lord and darkness has been dispelled and He's changed your heart and He's given you some new desires, then walk as children of the light. Be who you are. That's what He's saying. And let's keep reading. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Just statements of righteousness. Whenever you see God is light throughout the Scriptures, He's talked of as a son of righteousness. He is fully just and right in all that He does. Verse 10. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. This is what happens when darkness is dispelled and you live in the light. You're no longer asking this question. What can I get away with? You're actually seeking to ask a different question. How can I please the Lord? It's a totally different way to face. You've been walking in the darkness. How, how far is too far? How close can I get before I'm falling into the... When light comes in, you turn around. How can I pursue light? This is what this passage is saying. When you walk in the light, you're asking that question. How can I please the Lord? And then verse 11, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. It is part of walking in the light to expose injustice and darkness. Not without looking at your own heart first, but loving others because when people live in darkness, they're destroying their lives. Love then exposes darkness because love doesn't want a life destroyed. It has nothing to do about self-righteousness and, ah, I'm better than you. It's about love. And so the passage says, and let me read on in verse 13, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper. That's spiritually sleeping there. Unless you're physically sleeping right now. Awake. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ's light will shine on you. As you walk in Him, He shines on you and He shines through you. Such that you have the ability to do what He requires. Micah 6.8 But He's told you, O oh man, what is good. What is, it, what is good of a follower of our great God? What does the Lord require? But that you do justice. And you love His steadfast loving kindness. And you walk humbly with your God. When you walk in the light, 
You humbly expose darkness and you do justice. Church, we need to have a family talk. We need to have a family talk. We need to talk about something that might be considered political rather than spiritual. We need to talk about Ferguson, Missouri and Michael Brown. Most of you would not want me to talk about this because it seems too politically charged. For those of you who are in this room who are not followers of Jesus, I want you to know, let nothing stand in the way of you coming to Jesus Christ. You come to Him and you love Him. But as we begin to live lives of love because Christ has come in, we have to deal with real issues in our real world. What does it look like to do what the Lord requires? To do justice, to love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. This doesn't save you, but it's how saved people act. I can't tell you, I was listening to several, several of my dear brothers um, on this issue and one in particular, he was a white pastor, and he was just talking about, he didn't think he had ever been so afraid to address his congregation about something than he was about this issue. And I can honestly say personally, there has been a little more fear in talking about this issue than there has been some others because of how charged it could be. With all those things put aside... We need to talk about racism and we need to talk about how to love our neighbor. We need to talk about racial tension and we need to talk about racial injustice between blacks and whites in our country and in our neighborhoods. God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. This is not about politics. This is about how we walk in the light in our city. This is about how do we love our neighbor in Raleigh in 2014. We've got to begin with what God hates, right? God hates gang violence. God hates murder. God hates stealing. God hates bullying students in school or bullying shop owners. God hates it when people live in fear because of their sin or the sin around them. God hates it when people walk in darkness. And as lights, he hate, as, as light, he hates the grossness of racism. The idea of looking down on someone because of the color of the skin. He hates racial profiling. And friends, as a pastor who has sought to give his life and will continue to give his life, that God would show off His glory in this church by producing a multi-ethnic congregation. I can say as a white man that white people don't get this. So hear me. They don't get the history. How many of you white in this room have thought, would they please just get over the history and start living a different way? Friends... It's not just history. It's people with our skin tone that have oppressed a people for generations. And it's not just history in terms of it's gone and it's not happening now. Humility, when you walk humbly with your God, you listen more than you talk. And when I listen to my dear brothers, dear friends, of the faith, who are black men and women, my heart hurts. Every one of them that I've talked to have been pulled over, having done nothing wrong, having been thrown against a car, or thrown down, and indicted based upon their skin tone. God hates that. He hates it. And when I look at my dear brothers who genuinely are in tears about having to raise their children and having to tell their little boy, of which I will have to tell my little boy, 
what it means to be a black man in this country. And to have to look in his eyes and say, son, everything will not be equal. And there will be times when you will be pulled over and you need to know the lessons. Don't move too quickly. Don't put your hands in your pocket. Don't be disrespectful with your mouth. All is a point of safety. I'm sorry. Many in the majority culture have no clue what that's like. They haven't even thought about it. And our neighbors, our brothers and sisters in the faith, members of TCC, experience this. What does it mean to love your neighbor? It means that you make issues of your neighbor your issues. It means that you take on the the burdens and the tears of others and you make them your tears. It means intentionality, not just casualness. Friends, I know when it happens in Missouri and it doesn't happen in Raleigh, it's easy to dismiss. But I'm telling you, it's happening in Raleigh. It has different faces. I can't tell you how many of my dear friends I have walked with when I have seen cops pull them over and I've had to go to court for them because it was not just. I can't tell you how many of my friends who have been who are African American who have been mistreated just because of the color of their skin. And friends, it would be a crime. It would be a crime if this led to hate, to just general scoping hatred. Cops are bad. White people are bad. Friends, we can't do that either. But we also can't do black people are criminals. Oh, no wonder. He was acting like a thug. I've read article after article where Michael Brown was called a thug. He was called one who was stealing. He was called this and that. But rarely, if ever, was he called a person made in the image of God. Not condoning any actions. The jury is still out there. This is not about the individual situation. It's about the fact that this kind of thing happens over and over. And do we ask ourselves, and are we grieved over the economic disparity that is a reality in our country between blacks and whites? Are we grieved over the fact that there are more black men in our prisons than there are whites by far? Are we grieved by the fact that there are more black children aborted than there are whites by far? Lecrae says this. Lecrae is a Christian hip-hop artist. And he says, I have zero compassion for that. If you say, I have zero compassion for that community, he says, you are not loving your neighbor as yourself. These people are my cousins, aunts, nieces, uncles, nephews, and our ethnic bond is strong. It does not, hear this, does not supersede my bond of faith, but at times, and this is a beautiful phrase, coming from a, a black man, he says, it feels like my eternal family could care less about my earthly family. This isn't just a historical issue. It's a serious issue. And friends, I love you enough that I cannot take what is so pressing in our culture, so pressing in our city, so pressing in our church. If we are serious about pursuing what heaven will look like one day, a multi-ethnic family praising our God, and we want to see that happen in the here and now, it's going to take us loving our neighbor. That means listening Knowing the stories, befriending, not as a savior, but as a friend. Jumping into other skin. What does it look like, dear church, for us to walk in the light as He is in the light? It means to extend mercy as He extended mercy. It means to do justice as He does justice. It means to try to give hope where there's fear. Because Christ is powerful to do it. And friends, why would we do that? That's just one example. Why would we do that? Because the text says, 
That if we walk in the light as He is in the light, there's a promise, verse 7. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. What's that mean? It makes sense, doesn't it? But when you get to know someone else's story, when you eat together, when you laugh together and cry together, when your kids play together, when you go over to each other's homes, when you do ministry together, when you read the Bible together, what is happening? You're growing together. When you walk in the light and show Him off to others, you deepen in your fellowship with one another. And most importantly, of course, when you walk in the light, you deepen in your fellowship with God. Because that's what our hearts are created for. And you want to hear something else that's beautiful? It's supernatural. It's radical. It's the next promise. Not only do you deepen in fellowship with God and with one another, but it says, as you walk in the light, the blood of Jesus, present tense, cleanses you from all unrighteousness. It cleanses you from all sin. Do you know what that means? It's not just that when you trust in Jesus, He cleanses you and then you've got to fend for yourself. It means that as you walk in the light, He is doing a work of change in your heart in that moment. To choose not to be angry, but to choose peace. He is not only giving you that strength, but He's also cleansing you. He's almost like the great exfoliator. He's just like sloughing off the sin as you walk in Him. It's happening. You coming and seeking to listen right now. God is promising He is cleansing you. Right now. Not because I'm somebody special, but His Holy Spirit is special. And He works right now. It's called making you into the likeness of His Son, Jesus. That's what He's doing. He's changing you on the spot. Because He loves you. So when you walk in the light, you're not only deepening fellowship with God and deepening fellowship with one another, but He's changing you. He's working in you. And that, it says in verse 4 from last week, it'll make you joyful. And so, God is light. What does it look like to walk in the light? And then just remember, we are forgiven so that we might live in the light. This is what he begins to say. This is what he says in verses 8 through 10. Friends, the first thing that the people wanted to say was, I have no sin. There's no sin at all in me. Friends, I hate to break the news to you. You're like me, a sinner. A sinner. He is the shepherd, and we are morally and really intellectually, we're dumb sheep. We're broken. We are sinful by nature and by choice. And here's what we do with that information. We can deny it. Or we can confess it. If you deny it, I promise you. You will find no deliverance for your sin. You will constantly be looking for everything under the sun to release you from the shackles of guilt and shame. And you will be lost in that search. You will not find the answer. Because if you say you have no sin and it's everybody else's problem, you'll grow bitter, your relationships will grow distant, and you won't know how to fix the heart. But he says, rather than saying, I have no sin presently, why don't we just acknowledge that it's a true fact, and why don't we draw near to the one who doesn't? And that's Jesus. He doesn't say, fix your sin, then come to me. He says, acknowledge it and draw near to me. If you confess your sin, it says, one of the most famous verses in the Bible, If you confess your sin, He is faithful and just. Stop there. He's light. He's not dark. He's not grumpy. He's always faithful and always just. And because He is, you can go to Him. And it says He is faithful and just in order that you might be forgiven of your sin. And cleansed, there it is again, washed, set free of unrighteousness. You'd be given a new way to live, new desires, new hopes. You're living for Him, which is giving you full satisfaction. Friends, hear me. Don't pretend you don't have sin. You have it. Just confess it. 
to a Savior who says, come to me, come to me. And then if you say, I had no sin in the past, that's verse 10. He just says, confess it, come to me. Don't be found as a liar. Have the truth in you. I'm a sinner and Jesus is a glorious, glorious Savior. And so, how did he begin this whole message? Verse 5. This is the message we have heard from Jesus. And now we talk about it. That God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. So we go with a message of God is light. The ability to walk in light and the power to be forgiven so that we might live lives of light to a lost and dying world. Let's pray. Father, I pray. I pray that You would work in our hearts this message of peace, this message of hope, that You are light, and in You there is no nothing, never, no unholiness, no ungodliness, only purity and beauty. And so, Lord, I ask that that message would change how we live. It would fill up what we talk about and how we act. That we would realize the power of light to overcome our fear and the impossible situations. And that we would experience both now and until we see you face to face the joy of being cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And so Lord, I pray for those in this room that have never been changed. I ask, O oh God, that today, in this moment, right now, you would so grip their heart that they would be set free. Set free to see Jesus Christ as beautiful, as the light of the world, as the one worthy to live their lives for. God, I pray that you would break into the heart right now and you would change. God, I pray that we would live for you and through you and we would reflect you in this city and to the ends of the earth. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.